0: From Arcadia, California, the Carter Report presents The Living Word Around the World.
1: The program today is entitled The Deadly Snake in My House and other amazing stories of God's amazing grace. But firstly today we have a beautiful and special guest. We think she's just the very best. We've taken her overseas, and uh, she is the Carter Report angel. Her name is Sharon Verdi, and she's going to be accompanied today by Noel. Would you please welcome them today? <laughs>
0: Promise just to know the says the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for. Trust His cleansing blood, and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing fire Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him, all and all. Jesus Jesus precious Jesus Oh for grace to trust him more Yes tis sweet trust in jesus just from sin and self to cease just from jesus simply take in life and rest and joy and peace jesus jesus how i trust him how I've proved him, or and all Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Precious Jesus, Savior friend, and I know that Thou, art with me, wilt be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him and how I proved Him, oh. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust Him more.
1: Topic today is The Snake in My House in the Dark, Nighttime, and other amazing stories. Topic today is A Potpourri of Grace. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me over here to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I want to welcome every person here today. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you joined us, especially those watching on television. John chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. A really great text this is, John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. What a text, one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. Topic, Potpourri of Grace. Wikipedia, which I now use on my iPad, (laughs) says, It is a mixture of dried, naturally fragrant plant material used to provide a gentle, natural scent. Potpourri, it goes on to say, potpourri is used inside the home to give the air a pleasant smell. The word potpourri comes into English from the French word potpourri. Why don't you gasp with amazement? Potpourri. You can see why when we go to France, my team has me order all the meals because it just flows off my tongue. Potpourri. This is only the start of my gymnastics in language today. The French term has two connotations. It is the French name for a... Spanish stew with a wide variety of ingredients called now I have to try Oya podrida how is that Caesar? say it again Oya podrida mm-hmm. a specialty of the town of This is quite incredible because we have these people in our church, especially of the town of Burgos. The word was taken and copied by the French military during the Napoleonic occupation of Burgos, 1808 uh, to 1813. In early 17th century France, fresh herbs and flowers were gathered starting in spring and continuing through the summer the herbs were left for a day to become limp then layered with coarse sea salt the aging mixture was stirred occasionally as layers were added to it the finished potpourri was set out in special pots with perforated lids to perfume rooms therefore I would say to you today, blessed is the home. Blessed is the church. Blessed is the individual that has a potpourri of grace. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. The first part of this sermon is the saga of the snake. A manifestation of God's protecting grace. A few weeks ago, I was in Australia in our home in Terranora. It's a two-story home. The floors are made largely of large porcelain tiles. In winter, we do not think of Australia as a cold place, but it does get cold. And in the house that night, the sun had set in the house. It was freezing cold. I don't wear shoes inside the house, lest I pollute it. <laughs> but I had on a pair of socks. David was coming back from Papua New Guinea because he'd been up there to negotiate our starting our national television, which will start any day soon on a big commercial station. There's a room and a bathroom and a little kitchen downstairs, as well as a living space. So I came down the staircase in my socks and because I believe in conserving energy, I didn't turn the lights on downstairs. (laughs) But the lights shone down the stairs. And as I came over to the bedroom that David was going to occupy in about an hour's time, I saw I didn't have my glasses on. So I was sailing blind. And I came down and I saw, spread out near his doorway, a brown snake. The brown snake The Eastern Brown, Wikipedia tells me on my iPad, is the second most deadly snake in the world. Fortunately, it was winter and snakes are cold-blooded. And therefore, somehow, I don't know, the snake had got inside the house and it wasn't very big. It was about this long. And it was lying on the tails, but it was not active. As I came, it moved a little. My heart almost came out of my chest (laughs) because I was facing one of the most deadly creatures on the face of the earth. Fast. When he's provoked, he will not give ground. And eastern Brown, when he's provoked, will stand his ground. A big one can grow this tall and thick. And he will strike. And you only have virtually a few minutes to get to the hospital that has the antivenin. So I stopped and I consciously took a deep breath and I prayed. I said, Lord, have mercy. There's nobody around here. I'm the only person in the house, and I have no shoes on, no boots. You should never leave a snake, because the snake could go anywhere. I thought, I have no alternative. I've got to get outside the house, and I've got to get to the garage, and I've got to get on my big working boots. So I said, Lord, don't let him move too fast. Don't let, let him go, because I've got to come back. And so I went out and I got my boots, uh, didn't do them up properly, but I came back and the snake had only moved a foot. And then I did what one needs to do in Australia. I have no question at all that God took care of me. The snake was lying across the path. If I had stood on the snake, he would have struck me. There was nobody to call. I may not have even had time to get to the hospital. There was no one to call. I could have called 000 if I had been able to get upstairs. I want you to come to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We have received one blessing after another. My life has been filled with incidents like these, but also the protecting hand of God. Psalm 91 and verse 11 and onwards. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone you will tread upon the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and the serpent an eastern brown is far more deadly than a cobra because he loves me says the Lord I will rescue him I will protect him for he acknowledges my name he will call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and uh, honor him With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. One blessing after another. The second part of the sermon is the miracle of the lost bag, a manifestation of God's looking out for you grace. And I have the bag here. I was traveling from the Gold Coast down to Sydney. I'd gone to the domestic airport. There are two airports in Sydney the domestic and the international. I was carrying a huge suitcase and also a very large carry on, and I had this bag over my shoulder, holding on to it. This bag had lots of things in it that I needed. It had, for instance, my wallet. And inside the wallet, there were hundreds of dollars, five or six hundred dollars, plus all of my credit cards, plus also my driver's license. In my pocket, I had five dollars, which doesn't get you very far. Also, inside my bag, somewhere, I had, carefully hidden, I had two passports. I had my Australian passport that I use when I go to Australia, and I had also my American passport that I use when I go to the United States of America. And so I use two passports when I I travel. And so in this bag, I had all my money, my wallet, every credit card, but there's one thing I had in my pocket that I did not put in here, and that was my cell phone. But what happened was this. I got in the bus, the T-bus that goes from the domestic terminal to the international terminal. And I sat down on the bus and I had this large suitcase that I needed to manipulate. And I also had this bag. And I also had, as I mentioned before, my carry-on. And when I got up out of the bus, I struggled with this big suitcase and my carry-on. And when I got to the United check-in desk, the lady said to me, may I have your passport? And I reached for my passport and my bag was not there. I got out my cell phone and I tried to call the United States of America, but my cell phone jammed up. I could not use it, I could not make a phone call. And I had no credit cards and no passports and no ID at all. I said to the lady, I've lost my passport, my bag, I've lost everything. Well, she said, of course, you can't get on the plane. I said, I can't even call for a taxi to go to a hotel. I can't call my family. I can't call my office. She said, go upstairs to the lost and found department, which is the third floor of this airport. So I went up there and I spoke to the young woman and I said, I've lost my bag. And she said, "Uh, nobody has passed it in. So I stood there and I prayed and I said, Lord, it's not just a case of missing my flight back to Los Angeles. I have nothing I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't even make a phone call. And when I got out of the elevator, or as they call it, the lift, as I got out of the lift and I walked towards the United desk at the International Terminal, the lady who had been talking to me ran out to meet me and she held up my bag and she said, someone is looking after you. The amazing thing that my bag had been left in the bus I wasn't even sure that I'd left it in the bus, but my bag had been left in the the bus and somebody in the bus had opened my bag and probably worked out that I was flying with United. And they returned my bag and my wallet and not one cent was missing. The lady said to me, someone today has been looking out for you I call this looking out for you grace we have received one blessing after another would you come to Psalm 121 verses 3 to 8 Psalm 121 and verses 3 down to 8 this is why you and I should never be discouraged Psalm 121 verses 3 down to 8 he will not let your foot slip We have received one blessing after another. The third blessing that comes to my mind today, and there are many, but here is the third blessing in my talk. The wonder and the joy when a king is born. We call this royal triumphant grace. Catherine Middleton is a commoner married to Prince William, Duke of Cambridge. She was married to the prince April 29, 2011 in the splendid and magnificent Westminster Abbey. They've had a little baby boy. He has been named George Alexander Louis after Louis Mountbatten. George was the beloved father Of our present Queen Elizabeth. And this little baby is named after the father of the Queen. So you have the Queen and then her son and then you have William and now you have little George. He is known in history as the stuttering King. In 1939 Britain and Germany went to war because Germany had broken every law in the book and had broken every treaty. And so Great Britain declared war on Germany. And on that occasion, Great Britain, except for the Commonwealth countries like Australia, Canada and New Zealand, Great Britain stood alone against the mass, the hordes, of the Nazis and the Communists. The Soviet Union and the Nazis had formed a pact, an alliance, against Great Britain. And Britain was and still is a little country. The King, 1939, gave the address. And remember, here is a little nation standing alone. No one to come to her aid. Congress declared the act of neutrality and would not come to her aid until the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor two years later. The stuttering king said, In this grave hour, perhaps the most fateful in our history, I send to every household of my people's both at home and overseas, this message spoken with the same depth of feeling for each one of you as if I were able to cross your threshold and speak to you myself. For the second time in the lives of most of us, we are at war. Over and over again, We have tried to find a peaceful way out of the differences between ourselves and those who are now our enemies. But it has been in vain. We have been forced into a conflict for we are called with our allies to meet the challenge of a principle which if it were to prevail would be fatal to any civilized order in the world. It is the principle which permits a state in the selfish pursuit of power to disregard its treaties and its solemn pledges which sanctions the use of force or threat of force against the sovereignty and independence of other states. Such a principle, stripped of all disguise, is surely the mere primitive doctrine that might is right. And if this principle were established throughout the world, the freedom of our own country and of the whole British Commonwealth of Nations would be in danger. But far more than this, said the stuttering king, the peoples of the world would be kept in the bondage of fear and all hopes of settled peace and of the security of justice and liberty among nations would be ended. This is the ultimate issue which confronts us for the sake of all that we ourselves hold dear and of the world order and peace It is unthinkable that we should refuse to meet the challenge. It is to this high purpose that I now call my people at home and my peoples across the seas who will make our cause their own. I ask them to stand calm and firm and united in this time of trial. The task will be hard. There may be dark days ahead and war can no longer be confined to the battlefield but we can only do the right as we see the right and reverently commit our cause to God. If one and all we keep resolutely faithful to it Ready for whatever service or sacrifice it may demand, then with God's help, we shall prevail. May God bless and keep us all. The person who helped to make that speech, as you all know, is the man who came from down under, who became the king's friend. Lionel Logue. This little baby boy who has come into the world bears in his veins the blood of one of the bravest men the world has ever seen. I want you to come to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, and we think today of another king. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Think for a moment. When the little baby prince was born recently, he was born with all the safety, security, And all the best health care that a great nation could provide. When he came out, millions of people saw him. Hundreds of millions were glad when he came into the world. He came as a tiny baby, eight pounds four or something, in a triumph. But when Jesus became a man, when he became a baby, He was born in a shed. There were no bands playing. There were no soldiers marching. There were no bells pealing. And yet the Bible tells me that that little boy who was called Jesus was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're told this. The Bible tells us we have received one blessing after another and the greatest blessing is the birth of of our Lord Jesus Christ not the King of England even though we respect that and admire that would you come with me to Revelation chapter 19 and verses 11 to 16 Revelation 19 and verse 11 to 16 Revelation 19 verse 11 and onwards I saw heaven standing open now this is when he comes back my friend And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is our Lord. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. Now my beloved friends when he returns to this world he doesn't come as gentle Jesus, meek and mild he comes as king of kings and lord of lords and he comes for his people and this will be the triumph of his grace kingly grace we thank God for the coming of the king a potpourri of grace potpourri of grace persevering grace 40 years ago I was the pastor of a church in Australia that has the beautiful name Mawulumbar not to be confused with Malambimbi, but Mawulumbar I want you to come to the text Second Timothy 4 and verses 6 and 7 we're talking here now about persevering grace. Grace that doesn't give up. Grace that continues on year after year. Grace that is not flaky or fickle. Would you come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7? For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, Paul says, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Look at me. The Bible talks about persevering grace. The grace of God that sustains a person down through the years. Often we do not see that grace today. You will see a person baptized in the church and you never see him again. It's because he lacks persevering grace. And then you hear of somebody, he has some problem that comes to him, and what has happened to him? Oh, he has given up the faith because he could not endure. The apostle Paul was in every sense a man of God. I fought a good fight. I finished my cost. I have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I went to this little church where I was the pastor 40 years ago. I saw there standing at the door to welcome me the Southerns. They were doing that 40 years ago. I saw there the Norths. They were doing that 40 years ago. Never miss a prayer meeting. Never miss Sabbath school there before Sabbath school. The Southerns, the Norths, the Hancocks, Eunice, Hank. And then I saw a man that I baptized 40 years ago. I saw him there with his wife, John and Margaret. I remember them so well because they used to give me strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) I said to John, John, You've been here, John, ever since? Yes, of course. What have you done? He said, God has given me a ministry for young men, young men who get in trouble with the law on the Gold Coast, a surface paradise in these places. He says, I have become their mentor. I said, how many? And we stood there, and I think we got up to more than 10,000. I didn't have to go back and say to them, read your Bibles every day. What's wrong with you people? I didn't have to say, you need to be studying the scriptures every day. No. They're going home to glory. They have persevering grace. We have received one blessing after another. We must not give up because things are tough. One blessing after another. I've been blessed by fellowshipping grace. A potpourri. Would you come over here to Romans 16? I'm going to take a text or two out of here. This is an unusual chapter because it's mainly made up of names of different people. It's a chapter that talks about people. This is fellowshipping grace. One blessing after another. Romans 16, verse 3 and onwards. greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Verse 5, greet also the church that meets in their house. They didn't have a church building. The building is not the church. The building is the people. Verse, next verse, same verse, greet my dear friend, Ebonitis, Verse 6, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. 7, greet Adronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. Uh, Come down to verse 8, greet Ampiatus, whom I love in the Lord. Verse 9, Urbanus. 10, Apelles. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. 11, greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus. Verse 12, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet, my dear friend, Parsis. Our 13 greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me also. And uh, you can go right through there. May I mention this to you? Closer than earthly kindred are our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is fellowshipping grace. If you haven't experienced fellowshipping grace, then my friend, you're living in a barren wasteland. Last Sunday, I had a blessed experience. Some of the saints of God from this church came out to see Beverly and me to see how we're doing they drove 50 miles to take us to lunch. Fortunately, at a nice restaurant. <laughs> Marcy and Larry Rood, Susie and Javier Pirino, Caroline and Isaac Sims, Alma Dixon, Patricia Belmont, Esther Maurice, Ora Lizardo, Maria and Steve Sousa, Beverly and I were blessed, by the sweet perfume of fellowshipping grace, it is the greatest of all graces, except this last one, which is saving grace. saving grace. The whole potpourri comes from saving grace. Come over here to John chapter 1, 16 and onwards. John chapter one, verse 16 and onwards. John chapter 1 and verse 16 and uh, onwards. Here is the text. it to memory, dear hearts, gentle people. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I want to remind you folks of one thing. You mustn't forget this. This is the most important thing. We're not saved by good advice. We are saved by good news. We are saved by the blood of Christ. The church is supposed to exist for one great central purpose and that is the preaching of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have received... One blessing after another and the greatest of all blessings is the blood of Christ. We're not saved because we are good. We are not saved because somehow we have achieved. We are saved by the blood of Christ. Every sermon ought to center on the greatest of all blessings and that is the blood of Christ. That is our hope. That is our steadfast rock. That is our assurance. That is what gives us power to endure and overcome every obstacle. It is the blood of Christ. I see his blood upon the rose and in the stars the glory of his eyes. His body gleams amid eternal snows. His tears fall from the skies. I see his face in every flower. The thunder and the singing of the birds are but his voice. And carved by his power, rocks are his written words. All pathways by his feet are worn. His strong heart stirs the ever-beating sea. His crown of thorns is twined with every thorn. His cross is every tree. We are not saved by our morality or lost because of the lack thereof. We are saved by the blood of Christ. And if you Sabbath school teachers are not teaching the supremacy of the blood of Christ, in every lesson you are doing a vain work. The most important truth, the greatest of all truths, is that the King of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, came down to this earth and lived among us. He was born as a babe in a manger, not like little King George to be. He walked among men. He healed the sick. He was full of compassion. But that's not the gospel in itself. The gospel happened when he went to the cross because hanging on the cross, hanging on the cross was the gospel. We are not saved by our success in being like him. It's just as well because none would be saved. We should strive to be like him because that is the fruitage of a relationship with God. But we are not saved because we are a bunch of little Christs. He is like a mighty towering peak. He is a Himalaya. And we are at the most a diminutive anthill. Never forget it. If you forget that, then you become proud and obnoxious. So the blood of Christ, I see his blood upon the rose. And in the stars, the glory of his eyes, his body gleams amid eternal snows, his tears fall from the sky. I see his face in every flower, the thunder and the singing of the birds about his voice, and carved by his power, rocks are his written words. His crown of thorns is twined with every thorn. His cross is every tree. A church without a cross is a tomb. It's dead and it stinks with the smell of rotting flesh. The only hope of the church, the only hope That a person can endure is that he has the cross set before him. And that's what drove the great apostle Paul on. That is why he was not a wimp. And those people in that little church, in that little country town in north New South Wales have endured because of the blood of Christ. So we have received one blessing after another, and it all comes from the King. We are delighted to have with us today someone who could be joining our team. That is Pastor Caesar Cardenas. Like me, he has two passports. <laughs> he has a Colombian passport. And he also has an Australian passport. And in a few days, the Carter Report team, or some of the Carter Report team, are leaving to go down to Colombia, where we have been asked to run a giant series of meetings. And if it works out that we go, we go for one purpose, and that is to preach Christ. The primary aim of every one of our campaigns is to not make is not to get people to join our church but to get people to come to Christ. And then if they join the church, they will be blessed church members. Otherwise, they may be just legalists. And so we go to preach Christ. And I want you to welcome today Pastor Caesar Caronus from Colombia. But more recently, from Australia. (laughs) Mm. Pastor Caesar, I'm personally glad to see you. My amigo, my friend. (laughs) Tell me, tell me a little bit about Colombia. You were born there, you've worked there. How big is Colombia?
2: Mm, Colombia has 49 million people in population mm-hmm. right now. And it's, um, it's a beautiful country with um, different kind of people and smiling people. Always, they're, we're always happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Now, uh, uh, Colombia's had uh, some problems with the drug lords mm. and crime. Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Back in the 80s, we have a very, very strong uh, drug wars. We have Pablo Escobar down there and all the mafia and the drug dealers. And it was a really, really tough time to Colombia. And Colombia was well known in, around the world because it was a dangerous country. Now, thank God, um, the last 10 years, Colombia has been changed. And um, the Lord has been blessing very, very much the country. You've been here working at the Carter
1: Report Office for about a month and you've been doing a great job.
2: Tell the folks what you've been doing. I've been translating all your uh, series that we had in PNG, in Papua New Guinea, and it's been a blessing, not just uh, for me, but I know it's gonna be a blessing to all the Spanish-speaking uh, people around the world. There is 400 million Spanish-speaking people around the world, and just here in America, it's 52 million people that need to, to hear the message of the Lord.
1: We believe, Caesar, that the time has come for the Spanish people in America yes. and in uh, Latin America and uh, Mexico and all of these countries. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to Colombia because the church down there has invited us. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what they're planning to do, uh, what they want us to do, and the campaign that
2: they have in mind. Well now, Colombia and all Latin america it's, it's, its waking up, you know, to the gospel. Uh, you know that um, the the church, the, the the great church, you know, tradition—it uh, has a, a new Spanish hmm. or Latin, you know, leader. Hmm. And um, I think I think you're talking about the Pope. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, he's Argentinian. So uh, every every single country in in South America, it's, it's waking up to you know mm-hmm. to study the Bible to see mm-hmm. what is the truth, what is going on. And in Colombia, they're planning to have the biggest uh, crusade ever. They're planning to to run a crusade and baptize five thousand people in just one day mm-hmm. for the glory of God. You know, with the Carter Report.
1: Uh, praise God, might happen if it is His will, and we're going to try to do everything we can. Mm-hmm. Then there are other countries like Venezuela, and Mexico, and Peru. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of the work you've done in Mexico, seeing I'm so
2: fluent in French and, you know, Spanish. Spanish. Mexico, or Mexico, it's, a, it's one of the most beautiful countries in, in, in Latin America. And um, in, in, south, in the south part of Mexico, um, the gospel has been, you know, growing mm. in a very, very strong way. Uh, Chiapas, Tabasco, you know, all those states down in, in South America, there is, is amazing. We mm-hmm. just had a, a crusade where more than a thousand people were, were baptized for the glory of God mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know that the Lord is working in Mexico, also in Peru. Mm-hmm. Peru, you have uh, almost one million seven-day Adventists mm-hmm. in, in, in that little country. And in Venezuela, you have the, 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 we just had, you know, a very strong influence uh, mm-hmm. with the communism, mm-hmm. with um, Chavez, you know, the last mm-hmm. president that was there. So now, the, the, is it, I think it's the time to go and preach the gospel in the Spanish community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor Caesar, we're so glad that you're with us.
1: We're looking forward to going down to uh, Colombia with you and our team is going. And we believe that you've come to this church and to this ministry. For such a time as this, we welcome you. We're glad to have you with us. God bless you, Caesar. Mm. 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 So, we plan to go and preach the gospel of forgiveness, mercy, transforming power, eternal life of the blood of Christ. Grace upon grace, a potpourri of blessings, protecting grace looking out for you grace, triumphant kingly grace, fellowshipping grace, saving grace. I say to you today, breathe it in. Breathe it in. Partake of it. And how can we forget the words of John Newton, who was converted by John Wesley, back in old England, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. Amen. The Carter Report is a self-supporting ministry with a global mission. We believe that the most important thing that we can do in this tremendous hour is to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. We do not believe that this is business as usual. We believe that we are living in the closing hours in the history of this world. Bless your heart, friend. Look at the signs that are being fulfilled almost every day. The signs of the times are shouting at us and they're saying, Jesus is coming soon. I want you to be my partner in global mission. I want you to be my partner in helping to tell the world about the coming of Jesus. I want you to be my partner in the preaching of the distinctive truths of the three angels' messages. Please check us out at the new Carter Report website, carterreport.com. Org. We have a special section whereby you can ask questions and I will give you the answers from the living Word of the living God. That is the thecarterreport.org. My friend, we want you to join us in the mission to preach the Gospel in China in India, in Australia, in Africa, in the United States of America, wherever people are lost and wherever people need to hear the good news that Jesus saves, please check us out. The new Carter Report website, carterreport.org. I want to hear from you today.
0: it before, and now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. has waited before and now he is waiting again to see if you're worthy to open the door oh,